Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. That was the voice of our beloved Marty Oakley, who is the backbone of these programs. She passed on April the 1st, but will never be forgotten as a warrior, advocate for all, and a dear friend. Rest in peace, Marty. Good evening. I'm Marcia Joyner, and this is Betrayed by Hospice, where we talk about topics that many don't want you to know about. But we believe knowledge is power, and our goal is to provide you with information and resources to do your own research so that you don't become a victim. This program is sponsored by National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, Australian Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse and Administration Abuse, Shenanigans in Pennsylvania, and Whistleblower Life. We are not responsible for views, actions, or opinions of our guests. Appearance of guest is not necessarily an endorsement. The information is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. We encourage you to do your own research on the topics. We have covered hospice hastening our loved one's death many times in the past, and we call it premeditated murder, which is what it is. Many continue to try to convince us that it didn't happen and they died a peaceful death in their sleep, of course. But those of us that were paying attention know that's an outright lie. They want us to believe that we didn't experience what we did, we didn't see what we saw with our own eyes, and that we should just let it go and get on with life. How many of us buy that lie and just move on? Certainly not any of us who have witnessed the betrayal for ourselves. We hear often, if you see something, say something, but how many people follow through on this? We all have our comfort zones, and admittedly, most of us don't want to get involved, and we just accept, go along, deny, or hide for what is happening. How will there ever be change if we don't speak up? Fulton J. Sheen says it best. The refusal to take sides on great moral issues is in itself a decision, It is a silent acquiescence to evil. And the tragedy of our time is those who still believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. And so that brings me to tonight's discussion, which is not about hospice. Whether you accept what you were told about COVID or the vax is each person's prerogative. Perhaps you took a vax and boosters, or you waited to see what would happen, or you said, my body, my choice, and refused from the beginning. I make no judgment, but I have no doubt that we have all been lied to repeatedly, and nothing has been transparent. We have been told multiple times to accept what they say and don't believe what you experience or see with your own eyes. Project Veritas was founded by James O'Keefe in June of 2010, and its mission statement says, investigate and expose corruption, dishonesty, self-dealing, waste, fraud, and other misconduct in both public and private institutions in order to achieve a more ethical and transparent society. Of course, if you look it up in Wikipedia, um, it leans the other way, but that's no surprise. My guest tonight is Debbie Bernal, who was born in Chicago, Illinois, and received her degree in healthcare business. She was a consultant at Pfizer and worked in the capacity as a sales functional lead. And many may not know what that position is. 
But in the past, we have talked about being in a doctor's office when a person in a suit with a briefcase is ushered back into the office while you wait past your appointment time. That person is a medical sales representative and is offering your doctor the latest and best medicine on the market that will cure this or that, and the doctor should start prescribing it to his patients, and the doctor will see financial incentive to do so. Kind of like pay-to-play. Debbie's position at Pfizer was similar to that, but a virtual medical sales rep. And Debbie will explain what happened to her while working for Pfizer and what she saw and how speaking up and telling the truth caused her to be interrogated, frightened, and ultimately unemployed. Debbie's story has been posted in the media and portrayed as a brave whistleblower since February of this year. She has been called upon to tell her story at various platforms, the last being at Conservative Political Action Conference, better known as CPAC, in March of this year. Debbie says, freedom is not free, and fear is how they control us. She challenges us all to speak the truth when we see something going on. Tonight, towards the end, if you have a question or a comment, please press 1 and you'll be put in a queue to speak. Debbie, thank you for agreeing to come on the program and share your story with us and tell us what you're doing. And if you'll start with telling us how you became to become employed by Pfizer, I think that would let people know how this all began. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it, um, just being here and being able to tell my story and um, help people hear the story and to get more informed on the issue. But, um, yeah, so um, upon graduating um, college, I I went to graduate school to get a business uh, degree, and um, I... I really thought that I would end up working at a hospital or a clinic like I had done previously, but I I had gotten a job offer at a big consulting firm, Uh, and um, I just, you know, I was young. Um, I was, you know, focused on climbing that corporate ladder, and um, I, I took the job, and it was based out of Chicago, so um, it worked out for me. And um, how consulting works, it's, um, it's a little different than most jobs. So, yes, I had an employer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a job per se just yet. So when you're in consulting, you get put on a wait list, and that's called the bench. And when you're on the bench, you're ultimately just waiting to get uh, assigned a project. So a few months ago, um, I had rolled off my last client, and this was September, October, and typically September through December are the hardest to get on another project or on another client just because it's the holiday season. And um, I was starting to get you know, the emails from HR that pretty much say, hey, if you don't find a a project or a client to, you know, start working, we're just going to let you know that um, you'll probably lose your job. So they put pressure on you like that. So what I had to do is I had to go on our portal and uh, just apply and reach out to um, a a ton of different open roles 
that um, were open, and there weren't very very uh, many to pick from. And my background is healthcare, so that just narrowed it down even more. So uh, I just applied to whatever was tagged as healthcare or um, uh, health sciences, and a manager from the Pfizer project had reached out to me. She got back to me uh, immediately, actually, and she said, hey, we need someone to start right away. Can you do that? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm open, and I can do that, and I'm, you know, I'm getting threatened anyway by my job. So that's how I came on to Pfizer. Um, and um, the, the the role that I was assigned was um, in person. So COVID had happened. Most of the work became remote, but um, we were just starting to transition into doing in person. So I it worked out. Um, I had to fly back to Chicago, and um, I, I had to go to the Lake Forest facility, uh, Pfizer facility, every day, Monday through Friday, and that's kind of where my <laughs> my journey began at Pfizer. Okay. And from there, oh, yeah, so I can keep going or if you have any questions. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can kind of um, start – from my experience there. So um, I have been training, um, you know, the healthcare, uh, the practice, you know, it trains you to, you know, learn about how healthcare runs as a business, really. So Pfizer has, as many big pharmaceutical companies have, they have uh, sales reps. Um, so the people that go into the doctor's office and pretty much try to convince the doctors to uh, give patients the drugs that they're offering. Um, so Pfizer has those, but uh, they also have virtual ones. And my job was to handle the technology side of that. So during my time at Pfizer, obviously, I went there. I did my work when it came to, you know, the technical, the IT stuff and the whole sales process. But um, I had some free time as well. And now I had a Pfizer badge. I had a Pfizer laptop. I had my own cubicle there. Um, and I had, you know, I had the access to go onto the Pfizer portal and to read on the news. And my manager had advised me to, to do so. You know, you want to get to know the client. You want to make sure that you're up to date with their news and you know that's what I did so there's just a few things that I just immediately on the dot found a little alarming um, I found a lot of Bill Gates uh, I don't want to say propaganda but I saw a lot of uh, a lot of his, uh, his name pop up on the portal so um, that was one thing I was like okay so I knew Bill Gates was, you know, a big donor and and whatnot, but I, I didn't realize how important and how worshipped he was at Pfizer. So out of sheer curiosity, you know, I had been, for, for the past two years, I, I had been experiencing um, myself censorship for even questioning the potency or even just, the vaccine, just the vaccine. I was just questioning whether it was safe. It had just rolled out. It had it had a new thing, and I had my doubts. 
like I hope any other person would. But um, to me, it was really once the government started and, and employers started forcing people to get the vaccine, that's where I kind of drew the line and said, okay, that is not okay. So then I started noticing in the news people just dropping dead and getting heart attacks and whatnot. So that kind of information had already stuck in the in the back of my mind. And I'll make this very clear, I had never, ever intended to work at Pfizer, it was just I get on a project and not get fired, and it just worked out that way. But I had that in the back of my mind, the myocarditis. So I had access to the portal, and I really wanted to see whether my, you know, my thoughts, my intuition was correct or if, you know, the fact checkers on the Internet were, you know, being truthful. So I go to the portal, and um, I just type in myocarditis, and I get a whole list of things um, just talking about myocarditis and the effects of the vaccine. And I start pulling up studies, and um, it, it just blew my mind. It blew my mind. I would see the date of some of these studies, and it was right there in front of me. These people at Pfizer knew about the myocarditis. They knew it was a possible side effect. But why were people on the Internet being censored? Why were people not allowed to talk about it on TV? Why were people being called anti-vaxxers? Why were they being called conspiracy theorists for even questioning the vaccine? When I had this right in front of me, Pfizer knew about the myocarditis. And I I have it here... um, one of the documents that um, Project Veritas, uh, you can find this on projectveritas.com, but it is a uh, document that's titled Myocarditis slash Pericarditis After MRNA COVID-19 Vaccine Administration, Potential Mechanisms in Recommended Future Action. And the date of that was February of 2022. And in those documents, some of the things like these are taken straight from these documents. Um, I'll just read a few of the bullet points here. One, there is evidence that suggests patients who receive a COVID-19 vaccine are at an increased risk of myocarditis. And this is this is directly quoted from the Pfizer document. This is not just a conspiracy theorist. This is not just the CDC saying this. No, no, this is a Pfizer document saying this. The next bullet point that I want to point out. Onset was typically within several days after mRNA COVID-19 vaccination from Pfizer or Moderna, and cases have occurred more often after the second dose than the first dose. And this is on page 19 of their documents. On page 28, the, the reasons for male predominance in myocarditis and pericarditis incidents post-COVID-19 vaccination remain unknown. So I, I'm But, yeah, this. during this in time, my, they're still pushing the vaccine. Well, yeah, and not only that, it's the censorship that was happening. If you mm-hmm. even typed out myocarditis on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, or Google, you would either not find anything that any anything like that I just read. You would find benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risks 
of any side effects. They won't. They wouldn't even highlight the fact that myocarditis was a risk. Now, there is another bullet point that really blew my mind, and it's this one. The pattern of cases confirmed, as per the label, to a pattern of myocarditis cases occurring in the majority of young males below 29 years of age within the first two weeks post-vaccination. And I read this, and this is on page 19 of their document, and I read this, and all I could think of was all those athletes on the news just falling and dropping dead, these healthy young males who have worked out their whole life, who've been exercising, probably eating healthy, healthier than all of us. And then they randomly just all, they, they just start getting heart attacks. They just start having heart problems and dropping dead. And the news won't say why. The news will still, till this day, say they don't know why this is happening. But exactly. here I have a document that says, oh, this might, this might happen after the vaccination of the COVID-19. So I'm reading all this, and my mind is just going, whoa, how can they be doing this to people? How could they be lying to people? Why aren't they just transparent? Why don't they just put this information out there and let people decide whether the benefits, you know, the benefits of this vaccine outweigh the risks? Why are we just lying to them? Why are we gaslighting people? So that's kind of where my, my, you know, my frustration came from. And I really didn't know what to do. I I really just sat there and I contemplated, you know, what I could do. What could this 28-year-old girl do? I, you know, it's me versus Big Pharma. It's me versus Pfizer. And if if you look up how, yeah, Pfizer owns everything. You can you can find their donations just in um. Just in 2021, you can actually pull it from their website, the YES report. You you can see how much influence Pfizer actually has. They donate so much money. They donate to heart organizations like the American Heart Association, to the American Society of Nuclear Cardiology, American College of Cardiology. They donate to um, uh, cancer organizations. They donate to universities, to medical associations. So. They have so much influence in all these these systems, these organizations, these people that are supposed to be there to help society. So, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, why didn't my doctor say anything? Well, it's because they're also scared that they're going to lose their, their license because Pfizer is so deep into healthcare organizations, they own them. They own them, exactly. and, and that's the exactly. reason why. Yeah. Well, and you just said it earlier, too. You know, you've got all of these donations coming in from Bill Gates, and he is big into the health industry. Uh, you know, he was oh, pushing them vaccinating, you know, the, the third world countries and, you know, in Africa. Go in there and vaccinate these people, vaccinate them, vaccinate. And I want yeah. you to bring up, which, which I know that you will, about the um, infertility that, you know, we yeah. had been hearing this, and you're absolutely correct. Things were censored if we heard something. Now, you contacted, after you saw that, you contacted um, somebody to find out if, you know, you were really on the right track or did I just see what I saw. Um, so can you mm-hmm. talk about that? 
Yeah, so so like I said, I was sitting there, I was wondering what I could do. Well, I knew I couldn't go to Pfizer. I couldn't go to anyone there about this. Absolutely not. They're not going to do anything. They're going to protect their interests. Um, I knew that I couldn't go to my employer because <laughs> my employer – you know, their job is to make money, to get money from their diamond client, which is Pfizer. So, right. you know, if they're going to pick me versus the company that's going to rack a couple millions for them in just, like, a few months, they're going to pick them, not me. So I had remembered um, back in college uh, when I was a freshman or sophomore, I had traveled to um, West Palm Beach and this was for a Turning Point conference back then. Um, it was called Winter in West Palm Beach. And this was way, way before Turning Point was as big as it is. This is, I'm talking, we were maybe like 20 kids from across the country starting our first Turning Point chapters, and we were meeting in a Holiday Inn conference room. That's how small it was. Now, tell and, me, some of our people don't don't know what that is. Um, it's sure. a conservative group, and, you know, we have so much infiltration now in the colleges where they're trying to teach children. And I remember Obama saying this and Michelle saying that if you get a child when they're young, then you can control. And that is oh, exactly yeah. what is happening in our colleges is they get – well, it's happening now in the grammar schools, but – it, it, you, the turning point is a group of young people who are going to be the future, and they're conservative, which I'm thrilled with that, um, you know, that they look at things differently than what they're trying to do now in the colleges and turn people away from sanity. Mm-hmm. So some people don't That's, know what turning point is. That's I just wanted to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, no, that, that's great. No, um, and... Yeah, like you mentioned, um, really, college is really a cesspool, and the teacher, the professors there are really one-sided. They are not ashamed to just be upfront with their progressive beliefs. It's really, it's four years of indoctrination if you're not careful. That's really Correct. what it is. And I think you had mentioned, you know, Bill Gates has been, you know, I mean, most people know now because, you know, you see it on TV and whatnot that Bill Gates is so invested in healthcare. But when I was in college in my community health classes, it was actually a public health class. I remember my professor really hamming it down how great Bill Gates was and how great Michelle Obama was for uh, going into schools and trying to get everyone fed and how great Bill Gates was for creating a machine that takes uh, I know this is kind of gross. It literally takes people uh, after you defecate. If he wants to collect your poop, basically, and use that in, into uh, to bring it into a machine to make drinking water. So Bill what? Gates is doing anything he can to make sure that we uh, are either not having children. He, he wants to, you know, lower the population. He wants us to eat bugs or consume less real meat, and then on top of that, he wants us to consume our own feces, essentially. And you can look this up. You can find it on YouTube. It's a machine that literally takes feces, and then it extracts water from it, and then somehow cleans it, and he expects people to drink water from that. Yeah, no. Just just a thought. Yeah, so that's college for you. And I, I will be completely honest with you. I... 
I went into college thinking I was a liberal just because I'm from Chicago and I grew I I was in public school and I thought my whole life that I was a liberal because I was taught that Republicans are evil, racist, this and that. So in my civics class when I would take those tests to see where I lean politically, I would always get conservative, but I would never share that because I was ashamed of it because I thought people would think I was bad or evil. But wow. now but once I went into college, there's a saying, if you send your kids to college, they're going to come back a liberal. Well, the opposite happened to me. I went to college, and I actually became more conservative. It was really just – it's really sad. It really is. And what did it for me was a girl was protesting or harassing the pro-life students on campus, and she went – up to just the group and try to interrupt their whole presentation and whatnot. And she said, I'll never forget this, I had three abortions and I would do it again if I could. And she was just laughing it off. And as soon as I saw that, I said, okay, if that's what it means to be liberal, I want nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. So I walked away from that. And I'm so glad I did. But, yeah, but Turning Point is – it, it, it's really important in college. It really is because conservative kids are afraid to stand up in college. They're afraid because they think that they're alone. And that whole fear thing comes back in. People are afraid. And that's why the left thinks that we're a, we're a minority. So Turning Point does a great job of making sure that, you know, conservative values and, are, are being heard and that professors are being held accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you were there at the turning point, you actually met um, Dr. Oh, right. Malone. Yes. Oh, yes. So, um, so back then, um, we were having different speakers come in to teach us new things. And James O'Keefe actually came in um, representing Project Veritas. And this was maybe so 2017. So he had already done some pretty uh, big stories, so he was teaching us on how we could expose the truth, too. So I remembered him and Project Veritas, and um, I had, you know, contacted someone um, that I knew, and um, pretty much it took off from there. And um, it turned out that they had already started, um, you know, a story or looking into a story of Pfizer, so it ended up working out for me. And but, and then you also talked to Dr. Malone, right, just to kind of do his research to see what he had found out about myocarditis. So the, the awesome thing about Dr. Malone, um, he was already working with um, – Project Veritas, and it was great because I, I got to see him at CPAC as well. And um, Dr. Malone, he's actually collecting um, all this information, any type of documents um, that people can get from either Pfizer or Moderna, and he's compiling it together. And, you know, hopefully in the future we'll be able to see that. But um, Dr. Malone, he's, he's a great guy, very intelligent, and um, I highly suggest um, looking into Dr. Malone, Malone's right. research. Yeah. Right, yeah, he is. He's got a lot of documentation out there. 
So the other thing that you um, had found, um, I think you briefly mentioned it, and I kind of, I apologize, I got you off track, um, but was about the fertility. Oh, right. Yes. So fertility. Um, and I can go into more um, about that later as well, but um, the documents also talked about um, how, well, one, that they had not done enough research on the pregnant mice to conclude whether it was safe or not for pregnant women. So that was a concern for me because I was thinking, okay, then what is the rush of getting all these pregnant women vaccinated? You know, if, you know, you don't have enough conclusions from these mice, why would you test this on human beings? But um, pigs. Yes, we are guinea pigs. We are essentially guinea pigs because they can, you know, do this without repercussions from the government. And what kind of like you, um, like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, they'll do things to harm us and then they just accept us to get over it, to just move right. on, to let it go. But how can we let it go when we've lost our loved ones, when we were – uh, forbidden from saying goodbye to our grandparents in the hospital, or you know, exactly. it's just it's so evil in my opinion to just tell someone to just forget about it and move on. It's well, and they have really on just, the yeah. Uh, from from what I understand is the vaccine. I mean, it has a disclaimer on there that you cannot go back and sue them because it is um, not fully tested and it's used in an emergency situation, and they are not held liable for anything that happens to anybody when you take the vaccine. Nothing. Yeah, that is. So yeah, even all of these correct. people dropping on the field and dying, they're not going to say what it is from. They're not going to own up nope. to it. And, you know, the family is losing their loved ones. And just, I think, two weeks ago there was, um, it may have been even last week, but there was a young kid that was playing football. He died. I'm not sure what he died from. Maybe it was myocarditis. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But his family was giving his organs. He was going to be an organ donor. And everybody was, like, cheering this because he was saving all these people. And I commented in our group that, you know, I felt really bad because the family probably did not even realize what they were doing. And somebody came back, you know, in an attack mode. You know, why was I trying to make it, you know, seem like it, you know, was a really bad thing? He did something that was honorable and he's a hero. And my comment to that is, again, you know, with organ harvesting, the person is not dead when you take their organs. So this person may have survived if you had given him a chance, a longer chance to live and get over it. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But the fact is you took his organs while he was still alive, and you will never know if he could have gotten over whatever it is, you know, that he did wow. have, which, right? So, you know, we have the organ harvesting, and why is that? Because it's a big money-making industry, and we've talked yep. about that in the past. So these people that are, you know, their heart, I guess, wouldn't be good if you had myocarditis, but they may have other organs 
that they are people are using. Oh, yeah. And you know, that's your loved one. You are killing them when you remove their organs. They're not dead when you take their organs. And how can we yeah. as a society do that? And they don't they give them a paralytic so that they can't move, but they don't necessarily knock them out because they want the organ to be viable for transplant. And if you've given them a lot of narcotics, that may affect that mm-hmm. organ's ability to be transplanted to somebody else. It is horrible. Yeah. And people, you don't know what you don't know. And unless you are willing to go out and do the research and then talk about it and not be silenced, so that you can let other people know, which is what you did and what other people, you know, whistleblowers have done, and that is what we're supposed to do. That is the righteous thing. That is the honest thing that we are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I get on my soapbox sometimes. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, You're absolutely right. Um, It. You have to tell the truth. You, if, if you see something wrong, it is your duty to let people know the truth. And that, that I firmly believe that. If you love God, if you love your country, you will do the right thing. And right. I, if, if you just sit there and do nothing, you are an accomplice to evil. And it will only get worse. So That's absolutely right. Mhm. Yeah. That's right. So, okay. So, um you have found out that, you know, that that it was not fully tested with pregnant women and you know, we 2 years from now, 5 years from now, I mean, how do we know what's going to happen to that child because you by giving it to the mother, it goes into the baby's right. bloodstream. And I know they were right. talking about waiting until the child was, they, they were bragging, and everybody was all excited, oh, the child's six months old, now we can give him a vaccine. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, why would you give a six-month-old an experimental mRNA vaccine that has not been proven and has actually, you know, there is talk about it causing issues, even though people don't want to listen and they want to naysay and say you're conspiracy theorists, why would you take that risk with your child? Yeah. I wouldn't. I would. I don't take that I risk with either. my dogs. You know, my dogs mm-hmm. don't get all of those vaccines. I had one die from it. Um, oh. Not the RNA, but the um, DHLPP. So I won't do that to my dogs. I'm sure not doing it to my children. Oh yeah. And you know, the worst part about it, about all of this is, you know, at, at one point I could have told you. Sure, I think vaccines work. I think they're effective and this and that. But after the last two years, last two or three years, after seeing how Big Pharma works with the government, how it works with big tech, how it works with just everyone to protect themselves and to make money, and ultimately willing to lie to people about the efficacy of a vaccine and hide the dangers of it, I, it, it just, it ruined my perception of healthcare completely. I right. can say confidently now that I don't trust any of these things now. 
I'm questioning everything. Now when I think about vaccines, I think about, okay, what is actually in this? What is it actually mm-hmm. doing to us, you know? And, Absolutely. and I think I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I think, you know, you lying to people, the government lying to you, it isn't helping. It's just making people lose trust even more. So Well, but you have to. You have right, to research. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. cannot just trust what you're told. You have to do your research and look at what your options are. You have are. to. And I think and, that you know, is that's the on biggest, everything. Yeah, that is the biggest lesson for me um, after these two years. The biggest lesson from all of us is don't, you know, don't take advice from everyone and accept it immediately. Do your own research and, you know, look into stuff on your own before accepting anything being put into your body. Exactly. And, and believe what you see and trust your gut. Yes, absolutely. So, so in January, I want to skip to January. In January, um, James O'Keefe and Veritas had already been working on, um, I call it a sting operation, and mm-hmm. had gone undercover. Can you talk about that? Sure. Um, yeah, so... In January, um, James had released a video of um, Dr. Jordan Christian Walker. And Dr. Jordan Christian Walker, um, he's a medical doctor, of course. But not only is he a medical doctor, but he was the director of scientific and operational initiatives and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. So he is also a director at Pfizer. And what James um, managed to do was he managed to get an undercover journalist to, you know, go and um, build a relationship with him um, where, you know, they just get confident and feel safe talking with one another. And um, during dinner, um, he actually got to record him talk about what he thinks about this whole situation. And on camera, Dr. Jordan Tristan Walker, this medical doctor and director at Pfizer, admits out of his own mouth that he believes that the virus was leaked from the Wuhan lab. And like I mentioned earlier, how there was a lot of censorship, I remember people, the media, calling Donald Trump racist and calling him just outrageous for even suggesting that the virus might come from Mohan. And here I had, we had a Pfizer director admitting that he, he, he believes that it was leaked from Mohan. And now it's confirmed. Now it's right. confirmed that it was leaked. You know, but, you know, it comes to, you get to a point where you can no longer deny it because, you know, because of stuff like that, like stuff that James O'Keefe does and exposes. So you leave them no other choice. But now it's a fact that they will openly say that it came from Mohan. But back then, having this doctor say that during dinner would, would be like, whoa, I, I really, you actually think it came from Mohan? That's crazy. But he not only admitted that, he admitted that they were talking about manipulating the virus to make profit. So, you know, um, getting ahead of the um, the virus creating a new variant. So they themselves were going to create new variants ahead of time so that they could make 
vaccines ahead of time so that they could be ready and start making money, which uh, – Correct. That's the perfect cash cow. And technically that would be called right. gain of function. Uh, he, well, he even says, said he that, calls yeah. it. He calls it a cash cow. Yeah. Yes. And in, in scientific terms, it would be called gain of function, but, you know, he they can't openly say that, so they, they have to call it something else. But they even use – he talked about um, using monkeys, you know, using monkeys to help with this process, which is completely unethical, you know, you – Injecting Absolutely. monkeys with the virus, with stronger vi- variants, you know, that that's completely unethical. And then he also talks about how the vaccine is is affecting fertility. He'll go into talking about how women's menstrual cycles are being altered. Even if you just caught COVID, um, at least for myself, when I caught COVID, my, my cycle was completely just messed up. So he talks about how the vaccine is totally you know, doing the same thing. So, and the, the, the weird thing about this is that the moment that this video came out of him just talking about this, um, Pfizer must have contacted their buddies at Google, their buddies on YouTube, LinkedIn and everything, because now when you try to Google Dr. Jordan Christian Walker, he's completely off the grid, completely off the grid. Before you used to be able to find his um, LinkedIn and it would have his, you know, his title, his name. Um, you could even find his um, medical research, his publications. You could find that he worked at Boston Consulting Group. You could find all of that. And now when you try to look, look for him, he is completely off the grid. And this video that I'm talking about, you can still find it on Rumble. You can find it on Twitter if you go onto Project Eritas' Twitter, I, I believe you can still find it. But yeah, I YouTube found it. Immediately took, yeah. yeah, YouTube took it down. YouTube took it down. Um, Google definitely won't have it. Um, but they got to it really fast to try to get this removed from the Internet. And to me, that is just a way to prove that you are, you know, trying to hide something, you know. Mm-hmm. you just trying to wipe this guy from the Internet so other people can't find him only validates the whole story, in my opinion. But well, when I that watched, video was the highlight. It, it was. And when I watched the video and he said, we were in a meeting this morning and we were discussing this, and he talks about um, mutating the virus. They, he called it virus mutation experiments, and then he would say, Shh, don't tell anybody because we're really not supposed to talk about it, and the uh, person there, um, you know, from Project Veritas, that was his date, he, supposedly mm-hmm. he was trying to impress somebody, and he said, well, that sounds like gain of function, and he said, Shh, we can't really talk about it, we can't call it that, and he would laugh about it, so there was not mm-hmm. any real concern, and he said, you know, that giving this to the different monkeys, and he, and he made the comment that, oh, and if it escapes, if it gets out, it'll be like it was in Wuhan. And he, right. he just, he laughed about it. He was not that concerned about it, which was kind of terrifying itself. So, oh, absolutely. Um, do you want to tell them what happened when um, James O'Keefe came in and confronted him? Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, that can't, comes out. And just to highlight something real quick, he, he was laughing. He thought this was a joke. Him, he, he was explicitly talking about how great this whole virus, this pandemic, was for their business. He was talking about how great it was for them. And he was laughing it off as if it were just a game. And these are the people who run these giant corporations. These are how they think. This is how they operate. And to them, we are just a number. We are literally just numbers to them. We mean nothing to them. We are just money. The thicker we are, the better it is for them. Right, exactly, um, exactly. Yes. So after this video came out, um, James goes and confronts him. He freaks out. He is in shock. He cannot believe that this even occurred. He's just trying to process everything. Um, He gets really frustrated. Um, He even tries – he takes James O'Keefe's iPad, and he actually manages to break it. And you can find this video, too, of his reaction to he completely loses it. Um, he tries to get them to not leave the restaurant. He, he tries to contain them. And I think he tried to – he calls the cops. He um, – when James tried to um, leave, get in a car and to leave, he even stands in front of the car and just completely just tries to stop him. But he has a meltdown. And he even tries to say that I was lying. I was – you know, that's not true. Um but, you know, it's too little too late. You already talked, and now it's confirmed that everything that he said is true. So he was not lying. No. So this comes out at the end of January, and mm-hmm. I think it must have been the weekend, but you, but you go back to work on, I think, the following Monday. Oh, and I the think, video came you know, out. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that what you did, and, and I want the, you know, our listeners to think about, because when you and I talked about it, what you did is exactly what I would have done when I got back into the portal, because we all saw this, you know, it came across, you know, the Internet. We saw it, and the action that you took is something that we would have, I would have done the same thing, and I, you know, I believe most of us, would have done exactly what you did. So go ahead. Yeah, so the video came out, um, the video of Jordan Christian Walker saying all this came out on a Thursday evening. Um, I was shocked when I saw that. I really, I was really just shocked that he would even talk about that kind of stuff with a stranger. I mean, he wasn't technically a stranger to him, but, you know, I was just It was a blind, it was a second date. Yeah, so, yeah. So it, it yeah. still like you don't talk about this kind of stuff with just anyone. But I, yeah. you know, I guess with some alcohol and if you think you know it's going more after the dinner, I don't know. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. But this video comes out. I watch it. I'm shocked. And I'm in my hotel room watching this, and I'm like, no way did he just sing like a canary like that. So the next morning. It was a Friday. Um, I go back to the facility, back to work. Um, I did my work, um, and then I had a break. And I just wanted to see, out of my own curiosity, if he was 
skill online or if, you know, he was actually working at Pfizer. I, I just wanted to see if I could pull, you know, just see, see if he was online. Because um, after that video came out, people were trying to say, oh, this is not real. He doesn't really work at Pfizer. You can't find him on Google. So Project Veritas is just in. I, I, I know how this works, the censorship and all that stuff. I was like, okay, they're just trying to hide this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look right now and see, see the truth. So I go on my, um, on my laptop and I go on Teams and I look up Jordan Christian Walker and lo and behold, his name pops up. He is active online. He's still there. It's the same picture, the same name. And I'm like, whoa, he's still online, I guess. He wasn't fired. He's working right now. Um, And then after I did that search, um, maybe like two hours, maybe like an hour or two, no more than three hours, um, I get Pfizer security. They come up to me. They have me get off my um, my meeting on the computer, and they ask me to follow them. And they take me to a locked room on the other side of the facility, completely on the other side of the facility, and they start interrogating me. Um, they asked me for my to turn in my badge and my Pfizer laptop, so I turned it in. And then they start asking me if I have any other Pfizer uh, materials or belongings that I need to turn in. And I tell them, no, the badge, the laptop, they're yours. W- what's going on? Um, and they really beat around the bush. They didn't want to tell me why I was in there. They just started asking me if I search anything today, if I have any um, uh anything on my phone that could reveal anyone's identity. And they wouldn't outright say or ask me if I looked up Jordan Christian Walker, but I knew that me looking him up had been what dinged me. And um, it got to a point where they even asked me if they could look through my phone. And... I obviously told them to kick rocks because I wasn't going to allow them to do that. They're not allowed to do that. That's why they ask you. Um, And if they ask you and if you don't know and you willingly give it to them, they will do whatever they want because you just gave them permission. So you never agree to giving anyone your phone. Never. You never give your personal phone. Um, And so after I told them no, the, the security person was a little surprised. I think, they were expecting that I, I just didn't know my rights or something like that. So they're um, they're like, okay, since you won't let us look through your phone, would you mind if we kept it here overnight? And I said, absolutely <laughs> not. You cannot do that. That is outrageous. Because they she, wouldn't look at she, it then, right? You yeah, just leave yeah, it there overnight exactly. and they're not going to look at it. Yeah. And the, the, the wow. thing after that was that the lady told me, Oh, by the way, that's just standard procedure. We ask anyone leaving Pfizer to turn it to if we can look through their phone. And I, I, I just shook my head. I was like, okay, whatever. So the interrogation, um, it, it kept on for a while, but um, I was not cooperating. I know that you never agree to a unless you have a lawyer present. You always ask for a lawyer. That, that's what I was, you know, taught. 
So um, I just I just really let them keep asking me questions. I just wanted to see where it you know if they would finally tell me why I was there, but um, it never happened. And then I just got tired and I said, okay, would you would you mind if I started recording this for my lawyer um, for future use? And their eyes kind of you know <laughs> got opened and they got up and said, we'll go ask. So they got up, they left me in the room. Um, for a while. How many I'm were there shaking. with you? Um, there was one, but there was a few security people waiting outside the door. There's gotcha. um, a few people outside the door, yeah. And um, so I was in there by myself, and then a lady came back, and then she said, okay, you can leave now. So I stand up, I walk outside the door, and then, lo and behold, I see my personal belongings that were on the other side of the facility at my at my cubicle, they were right outside the door on a bench. My backpack is opened. My personal belongings are scattered out on the bench. And I am shocked because I just realized, wow, they just went through my things. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't even try to, like, hide it. They just brought my things here after I maybe they looked through it there. I don't know. But my backpack was open. My stuff was just scattered out. My jacket was, like, on the floor. It was I, – I was just shocked. Um, but I, you know, I, I dealt with it. I took the security person's name for future, you know, reference if I needed it and um, grabbed my belongings, and I went back to my hotel room. But – it was the next day that was the the re- real frightening moment. Um, my company um, had locked me out of my computer. My, my company locked me out of my computer, so I couldn't log in. I couldn't put in my timesheet or anything. But um, I couldn't log in. I couldn't log in anymore. And then I get a call from my company's lawyer and some HR person, and. Essentially, what they told me is that they were trying to conduct an investigation on the incidents that occurred at the Pfizer facility. Um, they just wanted to find out what was going going on, what happened. And they asked me, they're like, okay, so what happened yesterday? And I told them, well, first and foremost, I want you guys to know that I was put in a locked room and I was interrogated by the client. They And also, they took my belongings and went through it without my permission. So are we going to address the situation before anything? Because I am your employee, you know. I thought you guys were for protecting your employees and making sure, you know, our rights are protected and whatnot, but they dodged that one. Um, And then they proceeded to ask me if I had looked at what I had looked up yesterday. They asked me, what did you look up yesterday? And I told them I don't remember. And the lawyer got upset with me and told me, well, how do you not remember what you looked up yesterday? I remember everything I looked up yesterday. And I told him, well, with all due respect, sir, you were not put into an interrogation room and interrogated yesterday, so I apologize if my memory is a little foggy. Mm -hmm. So he goes on and he says, okay, fine. I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, do you know Jordan, Jordan Walker? And I told him, no, I do not personally know a Jordan Walker. And then he's like, okay, do you know about Veritas? And I told him, well, Veritas means the truth in Latin, but 
where are you trying to go with this? Can you just be like straightforward with me? And then pretty much she just tells me, okay, did you put anything on social media that belongs to Pfizer or any that revealed any like company information? And I told him no, because I didn't, I, on my social media, I did not put anything on my social media of anything. And, um, then I just got frustrated with them and I told them, okay, look, you guys blocked me from my access to my, um, to the employee portal. So I can't even use the benefits of, um, you know, getting a lawyer to be present with me at this time. I can't even put in my timesheet. So what are we going to do about this? And then the, the HR lady on the phone said, oh, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Um, just send me a picture of your receipts and your expenses and I'll get that in for you. And I said, okay, great. And then the lawyer said, where are you right now? And I told him, is there, I, I, why do you want to know where I am? And he's like, well, are you still at the hotel? And I said, no. And then he said, well, are you at X and X at blah, 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 blah. And it was my parents' address. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, I, I might be, I might be at my parents' house. And then um, this is what did it. He goes, we're sending someone there right now. Someone will be there in 20 wow. minutes for you. And I said, whoa, what do you mean 20 minutes? What? I, my parents live almost an hour away from Chicago. So, whoa, what do you mean 20 minutes? And he said, yes, someone's coming right now for you. Make sure you give them your laptop. And I was just shocked. I was like, well, how am I supposed to do anything now? I thought you guys, normally you guys will send a box with a shipping label and, you know, that's how you send technology back in. But you're sending someone to my house? That is crazy. And well, basically, so- too, they, I mean, they to take your computer from the, the company means that they were canning you. I mean, without yeah. even having a discussion, they were also, you know, taking away your job, your unemployment. You were being fired. Yeah. Because uh, you well, looked up yeah. somebody's name that any of us would have done. I'd have been curious, too, to see, you know, does, you know, Dr. Walker, is he still here? You know, is is that the real person? Because you just saw the video, just like everybody else. Yeah. And that, to me, is not a crime. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That that just the way they handled that really really scared me. They were trying to force me to sign um like a non-disclosure and then they were trying to um get me to cooperate with this investigation and I told them I'm not going to sign anything without a lawyer and I'm not going to continue this investigation or cooperate with you guys without a lawyer. I'm sorry I can't help you guys and then I just um I hung up, but then when I sent my receipts to the other HR lady who tried to be really friendly, she tried to be, she tried to act like she was the mediator between the whole situation, but I knew it was just, I was like, okay. But um, I sent her all the receipts and then she gives me a call and I have a voicemail of it. So I, I have proof. Um, and she goes, um, hey, Deb, Deborah, Debbie, um, I don't remember what she said, but she said, hey, Debbie, um, so I was able to put in your hours. Um, I didn't put in your expenses. How about you uh, cooperate with the investigation, and then I'll go ahead and put your expenses in so you can get paid. Oh, no. And I listened to that, and I was like, oh, so 
now we're doing this to me, which I know is illegal. You, you can't withhold expenses from your employee because they're right. not cooperating. That, that is illegal. And um, once they did that, that's when I knew. I was like, okay, these people are just as bad as Pfizer. The, the, they all work for they all They're all the same. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. They all go to the WEF every year. They all meet with really uh, important, in quotes, important people with a lot of money who just want to control the population and control the world. They're all the same people. So Right, right. I, yeah. I, I you knew, knew you didn't I, have I, a friend there. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, why would I, you know, cooperate at that point if they are denying me a lawyer, they're withholding my expenses, they're siding with the client who interrogated me and put me in a locked room and went through my things. They're, they're not addressing that. So I felt alone. I really felt alone. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, it wasn't – it was really just um, – James, he he was really the only one who I felt like was there for me during this whole time. Well, because they've alienated you, and you really, at this point, you you haven't done anything wrong. You looked up somebody's name. I mean, that's what you're accused of doing, but you were accused of putting it on social media, which you did not do. I did not do that, correct. No. Yeah. But then eventually I got the letter um, that said that I was being terminated. And it was um, the reasons for my termination, um, the letter said, was uh, because I posted client information on social media and I my attitude and because I refused to cooperate in the investigation. And I lost my job. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not a job you'd want to have because – what they're doing is um, dishonest to the American people. Correct. Correct. And I, you know, after that I realized I no longer want to work for people that hate me and hate me for my values and my beliefs. And Mm -hmm. you go into these big companies, any company like the, the consulting company that I work for or any big firms just like it, or you go to Facebook, you go to Meta, you go to any company like that, they are liberal cesspools, but not just, you know, not just, you know, where they celebrate Pride Month. Like, no, they really, really just make sure to let you know that if you are a conservative or have conservative beliefs, you need to keep your mouth shut or you are the enemy. Terminated. You are the sure. enemy. Yes, essentially, yeah. So and, I, they're, you know, yeah. they're monitoring everything that you do and you know with a computer they can you know they they know exactly what you look up i mean i think that happens to us anyway in society because i know if i look up something on amazon um the next thing i know on facebook it's showing me an advertisement for what it is that i looked up on amazon i'm like oh absolutely how, how did you know i was even looking at you know earbuds or whatever i'm looking at you know, how did you even know that? Because everything is connected. Yeah, and yeah. They're they're monitoring everything that we do. So um, you wind up in March, you wound up going to CPAC with um, James O'Keefe, right? Yeah, that is correct, yeah. yeah. And, and that was, that was crazy um, just because, you know, the whole – 
I, I'm sure some, you've heard and most people have heard the whole um, situation with Project Veritas ousting James O'Keefe. Well, it, it just it just so happened that it happened during the time that I was fired and I went to CPAC. So it was just all in that same time frame. Um, I was, when I got fired, I was, um, James actually flew me to Nashville where um, I was going to do an interview with him and I was going to talk about my experience, what I saw at Pfizer and kind of what they did to me really. But um, it, it, it felt off. And then now I know why it felt off. But then just like a day after that, um, James had been ousted from his company. Um, and that was scary um, because to me, you know, James was the face of Project Veritas. James was, you know, the face of um, fighting evil big corporations. And then now he was just taken down in, in, in my eyes, you know. I was freaking out. I was like, okay, if they can take James O'Keefe down from a company that he founded – what could they do to me, right? Mm-hmm. What if, right. you know, everything was running through my mind. I was already paranoid about being followed, getting people sent to my house, and then now I'm thinking, okay, great, Pfizer got to Project Veritas. Now they want to take him down, and they managed to oust him. So I'm afraid because I just didn't well, you know. what's going to happen to you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, luckily, James, he, he's, he has a lot of endurance, so he was able to move um, past it, but he had reached out to me, and he asked me if I could join him at CPAC. And I, I was still a little reluctant. Um, I, I had always told, I told James from the beginning, you know, I, I want to do the right thing. I just, I'm not trying to be a celebrity. I'm not trying to be the face of anything. I just want to do the right thing um, and go back to being, you know, my life. But um, James really, really wanted me to go to CPAC with him. And um, he thought, he he told me that I deserve to, you know, have some recognition for what I did. But after I went on CPAC, it really, I, I felt peace come come into my life and it, it felt different because you know I had felt so lonely for so long you know after the whole getting fired and I lost my job people were sent to my house I felt lonely I didn't know what to do I felt it, it was just I couldn't sleep I lost a ton of weight and, um, and then I go on CPAC and then I start having people come up to me and asking if they can pray for me and I, of course, I'm going to let them pray for me. Of course, I, I, I'm a believer, and I'm, I, I believe in the power and my power. So I'm like, please, by all means, pray for me. And just ever since that day, I, I could just sense people praying for me, and I just felt a blanket of peace just put over me. So I, I'm happy that James convinced me to go on stage, um, just so the prayers. They've meant so so much to me, really. Well, and they validated that you know what you that you didn't do anything wrong, and mm-hmm. and I think you know, and you speaking up and you know saying, you know, I was removed from my position just, you know, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong, 
and then I, they removed me from my position. I'm, you know, frightened. They sent a car to your parents' house and sat outside for a while. You know, even after mm-hmm. you had told them you would not be there, you know, with your laptop, they right. still – and just to say, you know, if you're at the hotel, well, you know, are you at such and such address, which is where your parents live, I mean, that's just kind of frightening. I mean, are you oh, – yeah. at that point, are you trailing me? You know, do, yeah. you know, do you have – you know, something in my phone or my car so you know where I am. And and they're big. They're huge. So I can see where you would feel threatened and oh, afraid of what's going to happen next. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Absolutely. Just the, you know, that and on top of that, just the influence that they have. I was just thinking, you know, I might not be able to ever get a job again just because of who Pfizer is and who my company was and how much influence they have all over right. the world. Well, have you yeah. looked into that yet, or are you just, I mean, because this just happened just a few months ago, so um, are you yeah. recovered from that and ready to, to you know, put your hat back in? <laughs> yeah, um, so I have been looking around for jobs. Um, I've just been a little um, more careful picky. of where yeah. I – Yeah, a little more picky just because, yeah. like I said, I don't want to work for another company that will completely trash talk um, my my God, my, you know, my faith, my, you know, my morals. Um, Your conservatism. Correct, or be right. so willing, so easily, you know, just just fire this person just because they're in the way of us making millions. I mean, they could they could replace me overnight. I, I know most companies can do that. I mean, we're all, I guess, in a way, replaceable. But I just really want to find a job where I love what I do, where I can make an impact, and um, I can help people. I think my my interests have really shifted. I think right now I've been really interested in trying to find something where I can help people um, and help, um, you know, save America. That That is really what I want to do. I want to help save this country. Well, and that's admirable. And by speaking out and not being afraid, because what you had said earlier, um, you know, in – when we were talking and and some of the quotes is that fear and that is how they hold us in place because we are afraid to say anything we're afraid to have our feelings we're afraid to say we're a christian we're afraid to say we're conservative we're afraid to say we're pro-life we're afraid to say you know that we we firmly believe we have seen premeditated murder with our loved ones in hospice that you're afraid if you say that, that people say, oh, that's just a conspiracy and, you know, you're just trying to find somebody to blame for that. And, you know, they do. They try to make us afraid to tell our truth, and they have no right to do that. Or easily manipulated. Uh, you disappeared. I'm sorry. What did you say? You know, and the the left knows that the evil evil knows that evil knows that fear fear is a powerful tool, 
and most people are willing to give up their freedom and their liberty to feel safe. And that is our problem. That is our problem. That's why we keep giving these government agencies more control. We're giving these healthcare providers more control over our lives because we are afraid to make decisions. We are afraid of what might happen. And it is our duty as Christians, as conservatives, whatever you want to call yourself, it is your duty to stand up for the truth. It's because if you don't, you are an accomplice to evil. And right. we are not going to move forward. We, we can't move much more forward if we just keep standing by and watching these things happen and not saying anything. And I know, you know, we might think, oh, I'm just one person. I might not make a difference. No, you might be one person, but there are other people who are just, you know, a person. And if we keep adding these people up, we become groups. We need to stand up so other people know that they're not alone because there's power in numbers, but most importantly, there's power in people who pray. And when you stand up and tell your truth, someone's going to hear it. Someone might start praying for you. Maybe the right person hears they'll reach out to you, and we can get the ball moving. So if if there's anything that people see, if you see it in the hospice facilities, record it. Do what you can to, you know, get more people to believe it. Just just like James O'Keefe, his, his model is you record it, you get it on camera, and then you expose it. That's, right. you know, that's a start. That's how we start. And that's how we get this movement going. So you have to be brave. You really do. You have to stand up to evil. You have to. It's mm-hmm. essential. Yeah, you can't sit by the wayside. And it's just like, you know, earlier when I was quoting um, Fulton J. Sheen, if you don't, by sitting back, you become part of the problem. It's an acquiescence. If you sit back and you say nothing, then you you must agree with what's happening because you didn't say you didn't. And yeah. and that's what we need to do. We need to gather together, and power is in the number. And you're not alone. And that's what I think a lot of people feel like that it just happened to, you know, in the hospice situation, which I deal with most frequently. Um, they don't realize that everybody else was duped too. You know, your loved one was murdered, and they feel the guilt for it because they didn't stop it. But you have to realize you are not the only one. There are other people out there that the same thing happened to them. They were lied to. They were duped. And when the people get together and start talking about it, they see that it's the same situation, the same drugs. This happened. And Mm -hmm. then you realize you are not alone. And other people understand and they validate what you saw is true. Because I think that's one of the hardest things. If if nobody believes your story and, you know, they say, well, just, you know, move on, get on with it, nobody believes what you're saying, then you do feel alone like you felt. You know, what, I'm yeah. out here, you know, in this boat, rowboat all by myself, and I don't know which direction to go, and I am afraid of what my next step is. I'm afraid of what happens tomorrow. 
and that's how people feel if you don't have support. But if you don't ask for support and you don't let people know that this is your truth, then how will anybody support you? They don't know you have a problem. Wow. Wow. Yep, that is exactly true. So it's, you know, now talk about um, what you and I talked about this a few minutes yesterday. Um, James O'Keefe is working on something else, and oftentimes people in our group, you know, with the hospice and, you know, the elderly, um, guardianship situations, nursing homes, if you see something going on and it is, for those of us who have lost our loved ones, we would like justice. Whether justice will ever come, I don't think mm-hmm. so. But if we can stop it from happening to somebody else. So if you're in a situation where, and it's just like you said, record it. If you're, and you have to be careful with that because in some states, if one person is aware of the recording, then it's acceptable. If other states, both people have to have knowledge that they're being recorded. And you know if somebody's doing something bad, they're not going to want you recording them. But maybe right. by the sheer knowledge that I have a camera, I will record you, and I, you know, I'm watching to make sure that you're not mistreating my loved one. But if you do find that something is ongoing and somebody is mistreating, tell them what James's new role is, his new direction. Sure. Um, so um, James O'Keefe, he obviously got ousted from Project Veritas, so um, he has launched his own initiative. Um, it's called O'Keefe Media Group, or OMG. And um, you can go online and you can actually sign up yourself to be a citizen journalist, and they will send you a camera that you can use to record. And essentially this whole concept is to, you know, help people realize that it's not just James who gets to go out and expose the truth. No, you can do it too. You can do it in your town, in your hometown. You can do it in your hosp- in, in the hospice care facility. You can do it in the hospital with a camera. You can expose the truth yourself if you just have a camera. Yes. Uh, certain states have different, you know, privacy laws. It might be a one-party consent. It might be two-party. So you you do have to be a little careful when it comes to that. But even if you can't take it further, you know, and put it on Fox News or CNN, you can at least get a video of it and send it to O'Keefe Media Group, and they will – Look, they will look at that video and they could even share that video for you or start looking into, you know, these stories that you send them. And just by doing that, you're already, you know, creating awareness. And I'm sure, I am sure that O'Keefe has already, you know, heard stories about, you know, um, people getting mistreated in, in different, you know, aspects of healthcare, but if enough people have these videos, we can create, you know, a huge story. We can create exactly. something so big. So, you know, I, I just encourage everyone, if, you know, they have the ability to, O'Keefe Media Group or OMG.com, 
you can um, click on one of the tabs um, and you can sign up to be a citizen journalist and they, James O'Keefe will send you a camera that you can use to re- expose these atrocities that are happening in so many parts of the world. And we should be doing that. And it that. starts. And that's where it starts. It has to start Absolutely. somewhere. And if Absolutely. he's willing to expose it, he has the wherewithal and the market to be able to do that. So, you Absolutely. know, he needs people, you know, to tell your stories. And, again, if it's already happened, you know, it's passed. But if it's in the process and it's happening and you're trying to protect someone, you know, guardianship case, um, and I'll talk to Kaz about this, um, she does a lot of programs on the guardianship, and guardianship mm-hmm. is a perfect example of where James O'Keefe might be able to get involved and help with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, it, Absolutely. You know, it goes back to if you see something, say something. Absolutely. And even if, you know, you find something um, and maybe you think you're not being heard, Go on Twitter. You can send it to me personally. I will retweet it. I will share it. I will get the ball going. I have, you know, James Paul, you know, he can see my tweets. So even if he, you know, even if your a video gets lost or whatever, you know, you send it in and maybe it's not getting attention right away, send it to me. I will retweet it. I will Do you get, want to I, give you know, them your starts, Twitter account? Sure, absolutely. It's at Debbie Bernal. At D E B B I E Bernal, B as in boy, E R N A L. You just tweet at me, I will retweet it. It, it just, it's something as simple like that. Just getting it out there on social media where just a few people can see it and then they'll share it and then it, it's just a chain. That's, That's how, how it we goes get viral. Started. Exactly. 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 So we have um, eight minutes, but I want to open the lines up. If anybody has a question, um, if you select one on your phone, you'll be put in a queue um, to ask a question. So we're going to go ahead and keep talking, but I just wanted to offer that up. Select one if you want to make a question. So... But, but the information that you're talking about, about fear and getting involved, I mean, I think that's very important for people to understand. Oh, yes. Yes, you have to. Fear, it's not an option anymore. We can't be scared anymore. It's getting to, I see it every day. I see what, you know, what the government's doing. We're we're getting closer to, you know, another war. And it's, we can't be scared anymore. We have to fight for for the truth. We have to. Well, and that's how they keep us quiet. Oh, absolutely. Just because you're afraid, absolutely. so I just don't want to say anything. Yeah. So, and I've had um, um Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I've had um uh parents come up to me and tell me you know, you're so brave for what you're doing. I would have just told my kids to, you know, just stay quiet and to just go to work and keep making, you know, their money. Um, And I'll just sit there and tell them, no, you you can't raise your kids like that either. You have to teach your kids to fight for what's right too. They're the next generation. 
Right. They are the next generation. What happens if if we all just sit back and do nothing and do nothing and we become socialist and we become a communist and we become a society where the government tells us what to wear, uh, what we can eat, where we can live, what we can do, what we can say, what we can't say. Right. Um, it, it, I mean, that's where it starts. And it starts yeah. with people acquiescing and just saying nothing because I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to rock the boat. Right. Well, if you don't rock right. the boat, mm-hmm. you know, you may just drown. Exactly. And, it, you know, it's we have to wake up and we have to speak up. And if something is wrong, someone is being mistreated. And if it's a society that's being mistreated, we have to speak up and protect them. Um, yeah. You know, I remember years ago, um, my son was smaller at the time. He's not now. But, you know, sometimes he'd go to school and the kids would pick on him. And he was a very quiet child and, you know, he's very sweet and he you know, docile. And one day uh, the kids were picking on him. Of course, I went out when I saw this and gotten involved and, you know, kind of mama bear here. But then he was telling me about one of his friends and how they were picking on one of his friends. And and I said, well, did you say something to them? And he looked at me and put his head down, and he goes, Mom, I was just glad they weren't picking on me for once. And it just broke my heart. But, you know, and I tried to say, but, you know, together, you know, the two of you together, you know, could defend each other. Um, Mm. But, you know, he had been picked on, and he didn't want, you know, he wasn't going to pick on somebody else, but he was afraid to get involved because he didn't want it turned on them, him. And wow. that's what happens a lot of times to us as adults, that we just don't want to get involved. Yeah. And we can't do that. We can't do that. No, I so I know that um, Pfizer came out after the... Um, Big video came out, and they say that um, allegations have recently been made to related to gain of function and directed evolution. That's what um, Jordan called it was directed evolution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, they say that you know we want to set the record straight, and that is not it. They have not conducted gain of function or directed evolution research. Uh, you know, I mean, do you, you know, who do you believe? Do you believe what he was talking about? And he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. And we have seen the reports about the myocarditis and, mm-hmm. you know, infertility and the uh, blood clotting. You know, we've seen a lot of things, and it just makes one fearful of what you're putting into your body because it's experimental and they're not going to stand behind it if there is an issue. That, to me, is reason enough to not, you know, stick your arm out there and say, jab me, you know, here, I'll take another. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, they they strategically um, released that. So it, it's a typical PR stunt. So when they did that press release, um, they waited until Friday evening um, you know, just to release something because at that point there had been like over millions of people from around the world had already seen the video. So, 
So they had no choice but to respond to it. Usually the best way to respond to that is to give no response, but just because of the, the, all the backlash that they got, they they needed to res- respond. But they waited until Friday evening, which is a PR stunt. Um, it's a tactic that uh, firms or uh, companies will use. They'll wait till Friday evening, release it, and then they hope that the weekend, the whole weekend will pass by and people will forget about it by Monday. That That is why they wait till Friday evening to wait do that. But, well, the, the, what they say in here to me is frightening enough, right? Um, and it just kind of dances around it. It says, um, in addition to um, vitro resistance selection experiments are undertaken in cells incubated with SARS-CoV-2, and it says it's done in their biosafety level three lab to assess whether the main proteins can mutate to yield resistant strains of the virus. And it says so these studies are required. To it. They, they, it does. It sounds like they are. Yeah. And it says it's required by the U.S. and global regulators, so they can do it because it's a requirement. Uh, yeah, no. So they kind of, to me, this sort of admitted. That yes, they are yeah. doing this. They're just not calling it that. So right, um, we have sixty seconds left. So I want to thank sure. you so much for coming on oh, this yeah, evening and telling your truth and challenging others to come out and tell their truth and do not fear that. So yeah, no, I thank you for having me. Um, I really hope that anyone who listens um, can you know use my story and. Um, you know, gain the bravery that you need to stand up for what's right and go tell the truth, go expose the truth, and let's get this ball rolling and let's uh, save this country and save our love, save our loved ones. And unite together. There's power in numbers. Absolutely. And if you don't speak up, you're part of the problem. So thank you to everyone for joining us. Thank you, Debbie, and thank you to our listeners. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Good night, everyone. Have a nice evening.